Good morning, church. The ancient words carry with them words of humility and truth. The understanding that we recall from those words is that Messiah has come to save a people who could not save themselves. And for that, we thank our God. It is great to see you here, both members and visitors alike. Let us please together go to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We give unto you all the praise, the honor, the glory. And we thank you for your greatness and for your compassion, for your kindness and for your love for the plan that existed in the mind of the Godhead from before creation. That God, you would make us, but then you would have to die for us to save us. We thank you for that plan. And yet we're sorrowful for the the suffering of the Messiah in our behalf. And this morning as we worship you, I pray, Lord God, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight, and in accordance to your will and your way. Help us, please, never to forget Jesus, your great Son, who died that we might live. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for, in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. We're in the book of Hosea this morning. Hosea, if you will, chapter 11 is where we'll go first. It's amazing to me, for thinking about Jesus, how, how God in his infinite wisdom can... Uh, interweave within the text many great things about Jesus. And in this sentence, in Hebrews 11 and verse 1, When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And it's amazing how you could read that and easily miss the Messiah. But if you will, in Matthew chapter 2, one of the most Horrific events outside of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ happened. Jesus was born, and Herod sought to kill him. A baby, an infant. And in verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. Please turn back to Hosea, chapter 3. Thousands of kids were murdered by Herod. What, what an amazing event that surrounds itself around the birth of our Messiah. As Satan not only did not want Jesus to appear, but certainly did not want him to save the world. Hosea 3 and verse 5, another prophecy about the Messiah. Afterward, 
the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord as to his goodness in the last days. The prophecy was fulfilled during the Christian dispensation. The Christians certainly returned to God. Israel returned to God through Christianity. And the king, David's seed, the Messiah, came to pass. And then in chapter 12 of Hosea, beginning at verse 2, the Bible there says, The Lord also has a dispute with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity, he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. We spoke of the angel of the Lord some time ago. Jesus. Jesus. You just can't get around Jesus, right? And the book of Hosea presents to us a message that refers to our relationship with God. Through Israel, there's a message. Hosea chapter 1, please. That definitely is very descriptive. And sadly enough, could be applied to many members of the Lord's church today. The book of Hosea describes the symbolic marriage relationship between God and Israel. The bride, Israel, she forsook God. And Hosea was commanded to marry a harlot. And the harlot represents Israel. Hosea 1 and verse 2, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. Yet, though this bride, Israel, was immoral and even wicked, unfaithful to God, God took her back. This demonstrated the great love that God has for His people, even His people to come. And in chapter 3, one of the most amazing scriptures in the, in the Bible, that He marries a harlot, and then He has to go and buy His own wife back. He purchases her. And in verse 1, Then the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot nor shall you have a man, so I will also be toward you. 
Turn to Galatians, please, chapter chapter six. And what what question, what request did Hosea have of this woman? Just love me back. Stay with me. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Verse 15. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So now it gets a little more personal. Because God says the church is the new Israel. So then would God ask the question of us? The first question would be, are we guilty of the same sins? Of harlotry, flagrant harlotry, and immorality in the Lord's church today? Are we guilty of being an unfaithful bride? And that is our topic for this morning. Turn over, if you will, to John chapter 3. John and his teaching, when they ask the question, are you the Christ? In chapter 1. As he continues on and teaches the word of God, in verse 28 he says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And so this joy of mine has been made full. Jesus is married symbolically to the church. That's us. Turn to Ephesians. The whole message of Ephesians chapter 5 is a message to the church. But it's a message even greater than that. It's a message about God's love for the church. We see that in Hosea, the love that he had for the harlot, if you will. And he has the same love for the church. Now, I want us to, for just a moment to think about this. How faithful have I been God. Now, now let's not measure that by someone else. When I'm more faithful than, no, let's not do that. Let's ask ourselves, how faithful have I been to God? In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 31, the Bible says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Have we the bride of Christ, the church, collectively and individually been faithful to God? Now, let's measure that by what we expect of our spouses. How faithful is your spouse to you? And then how faithful have you been to your 
spouse. And then ask ourselves, what faithfulness do I desire from my spouse? And then put ourselves in those shoes and ask ourselves, do I have that same kind of faithfulness to my God that I expect and desire from my spouse? How faithful have you been to God? You know, one of the things that I hear so often in the uh, Churches of Christ in Alaska, well, it's summer, so God understands. No, He doesn't. No, He does not. Just get that excuse out of your mind. We chose to live here. That doesn't work. How faithful would that sound if you were talking to your spouse and you said, well, you know, I mean, it's summertime, so... How faithful... Have I been to my God? So those who have suffered, unfortunately, infidelity in their marriage relationships understand the almost unbearableness, if you will, that feeling of betrayal. How did that feel? How does that How did we feel when we heard of someone, what a shock it was sometimes to hear of a relationship. Turn back to Hosea, please, chapter 2. How faithful have I been to God? And God says to Israel, "You, you have not just committed adultery and idolatry and harlotry, but it's flagrant. I mean, it's right in my face. And you know what? They don't even care. They didn't even care. Do we care? So how did God respond? Well, you know, we always would say, we'd say, well, you know, God's a perfectly loving God. So God would just forgive her. No problem at all, right? But I want you to listen to the words of God by way of inspiration through Hosea chapter 2 and verse 1. Say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sister, Ruhumah, Ruhumah, contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife. What about us, church? What about us? God say, Tony, you are not my child because you're unfaithful to me. Now, how do we consider faithful? What do we say about that? I mean, we have lots of ideas and we have lots of rules of what we consider faithful. And we say, well, you know, we say, well, this brother is faithful based on this. And, and well, this, this sister is faithful based on that. Well, I would just ask the question, and that is, how faithful do you expect your bride to be towards you? And is that the same kind of faithfulness that you exemplify in your walk of faith with Jesus Christ today? Or would God say, verse 2, contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, and let her put away her harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Let her shape up. Let her change her ways. She has not been faithful to me. 
Would God say that to me today? Is that how God feels about me? Well, let's get the idea of feeling. Look at how God feels. How heartbroken God is because of her unfaithfulness. And the next time in your mind you declare, well, I'm going to go and do this, and I know it's unfaithful, but I want you to think about the fact that the unfaithfulness of the children of God breaks God's heart. Sometimes the church struggles with her identity. Who are we? Why did you even become a Christian? We struggle sometimes with with our, our identity as to who we are in this lost and dying world. We struggle sometimes with, with what side of the fence we should be on, whether whether this side or, or that side, with God or with Satan. We struggle with selfishness. I just want what I want. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and there's nothing anyone can do about it because I have been given the free will and the power to do so. We struggle with our identity sometimes. We struggle with unfaithfulness. Look at verse 8. For she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. She does not know that it was I who gave her the beautiful sunshine in Alaska. It was I who gave her the strength and the ability to enjoy the blessings of the mountains and the fish and the sea and all that we have. It is I who have blessed you in so many ways and yet you have chosen to forsake me. It is I who have given you six other days that you can explore and enjoy my beauty. And all I ask for is a part of one. And you can't give that to me. Have we forgotten that everything that we own belongs to God? The stuff in your pocket belongs to God. And we are simply giving back to God what's already his. And so how then can we even give to a great God such as He? Like Israel, we had to be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because everything's about Jesus, right? What about your life? Is it all about Jesus? In chapter 3, Beginning of verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half 
of barley. And then I said to her, You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be toward you. The Creator. He he made us. And then... And then he lost us. And he had to go to that cruel cross to buy us back. Hosea married that woman. And he lost her. And he had to buy her back. Acts chapter 20, please. And now that we have been purchased by God, we have been bought back. How grateful have I been because of the grace and the mercy and the amazing love of the Creator. In verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, the Bible says, Be on guard for yourselves, And for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And how much does he love us? Back to Ephesians, please. Chapter 5. The relationship passage we run to for husbands and wives, which which certainly is pertinent and it certainly does a plot. But it really speaks with reference to Christ and His bride, the church. And in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now how much did He love the church though? And gave himself up for her. That's how much. He gave himself. Why? For himself? No. That he might sanctify her. Set her apart from all else having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. He did it for her, for the church, so that He could save her, redeem her, and bring her home in the end. So that, verse 27, that He might present Himself, present to Himself the church, In all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. And yet the church just keeps on fighting the groom. We just keep fighting. No, I don't want you to make me spotless and wrinkled and, and I mean, or or without wrinkle rather, if you will. I I don't want you to, to change me or, or transform me. I want to be who I am and you just take me the way that I am and that's good enough. Why are we fighting Jesus? Church, 
this morning, my plea to you. Give your life, all of it, to Jesus. All of it. You will find the peace that surpasses all comprehension. Don't wait until trouble hits. Give your life to Jesus. That was the message. Turn back to Hosea, please. Chapter 12. That was the message that God was trying to bring to Israel. Come back to me. Return to me. Love me back. As I have loved you. And this morning, I leave you with that very question, that very um, thought, the idea, the words of encouragement to you. Will you love God back the way that He's loved you? And for those who have gone astray, thank you, God, for purchasing, for purchasing us. And if, if you need prayers because you've gone astray and you want to return, come back. Today's the day of salvation. If you're not a child of God and you've not surrendered to God in the waters of baptism, let Him come and grab hold of you because today is a day of salvation. Hosea 12, verse 5. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is His name. Therefore, return to your God. Observe kindness and justice and wait for your God continually. Will you come back to God if you have gone astray? If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I'll let you come.